0: Lonely song. The song's for you. Recently, we've been talking about the emotional center and its prominent place in the application and understanding of esoteric ideas. If the emotions are wrong, you can be certain of one thing. We will get the work wrong. If the emotions are wrong, you can count on getting everything wrong. It's all about the emotions. Unfortunately, We don't approach this work emotionally, we approach this work intellectually, for the most part, at first. Of course, this is just a recap of what we've been talking about the past couple times, but it's good to continue to lay the groundwork It's like the lawn. If you've got a lawn, one of the things you have to do is you have to mow it. If you want to keep it alive, you water it. And then the sun comes out and the grass grows and you cut it. And if you want to keep it alive, you water it again. And then the sun comes out and the grass grows and you have to cut it. When you think about it, it's kind of a stupid thing to do, but it's what people do. It's what we do. It's Pride and vanity, yeah, it's look at my lawn and you know, people get really upset about their lawns. The next door neighbor's dog comes over and digs in their lawn or does something with their lawn and they get all upset about it. I mean, people have gone to court and head cracking and dog killing and fist fights over lawns which of course it has nothing to do with a lawn, obviously it has to do with pride and vanity. It has to do with self love, it has to do with separation, it has to do with the negative emotions or having our emotional center all wrong or having our emotions wrong. When our emotions are wrong, everything that we do is wrong. So especially if the emotions are wrong, we get the work wrong. And this is what we're really interested in. I don't really care about your lawn, but I do care about this work. And I do care about your ability or inability to do this work. We need right emotions. We know enough about the Emotional Center to know that we don't have any. Yeah. Not that we don't have any emotions. Oh, we've got emotions. We've got negative emotions galore. But what we have learned through self-observation is that we don't have any right emotions. If you're afraid, you can't get the work rightly arranged in yourself. Now, this may seem like a non sequitur. If you're afraid, you can't get the work rightly arranged in yourself. But it's not because we know that fear is a wrong emotion. It's a negative emotion. Two of the pillars of esoteric thought are negative emotions and identifying. These are two things that we've got to come to terms with. They are two of the pillars that help hold this work up, that hold it together, that tie it together. These two ideas of negative emotions and identifying are summed up in these phrases. You have the right not to be negative one, which you've heard many times because I will repeat it many times because you need to hear it over and over again. And why I say you need to hear it over and over again is because you get negative over and over again. And finally, you have the right not to identify. This isn't one that you hear a lot, but it's one you will hear more of because you have to have the right not to identify in order to exercise the right not to be negative. These two ideas lead us to two more foundational principles of esoteric ideas, internal considering and external considering. Now, as with most knowledge, it seems very simple when you hear it. Yes, external considering, internal considering. We know what that means. And when it comes to negative emotions, we know we have the right not to be negative, and we know we have the right not to identify. Okay, so we've got that. Intellectually, that's all cataloged, and that's straightened out. But look at your life. And it looks like you don't know that at all. But intellectually, you have it. And you can spew it any time, you can parrot it any time. If I ask you, you can tell me. If I say, well, what are two rights that you have that are really important that you need to exercise? You'll say, well, the right not to be negative and the right not to identify. Will you exercise those rights? Well, no, but you know you have them. Like I said, all knowledge seems simple enough, but it rarely is. The knowledge may be simple, But the application of that knowledge is an entirely different paradigm. It's an entirely different universe. It's an entirely different realm. The work says we waste most of our energy through internal considering. Now, you know that the work also says in another way that we waste our energy or that our energy leaks out through negative emotions. Well, what do negative emotions and internal considering have to do with each other? It also says, the work that is, that we must replace internal considering with external considering. When I reference the work, I don't limit it to the fourth way alone. I know you know, because you've heard me say this a number of times. But for people who come to the podcasts and who think that this is a rigid, traditional fourth way teaching that's strictly Gurdjieff or strictly Ouspensky, you're barking up the wrong tree because I will not be limited, and the truth cannot be limited by something like that. I am after new meaning. And in order to get new meaning, I will go anywhere. I will do anything that gets new meaning. And the meaning, of course, has to be new meaning that's going to lead me to an expanding state of consciousness, that's going to lead me to raising my level of being, that's going to lead me to find my own real I and unify with that. And whatever comes after that, I don't know. I know all the theory. I've heard all the words. I don't care about that. I'm interested in what's real. What's real in me? What's real in you? What's real in esoteric ideas? What's real in this world? What's unreal in this world? Because you've got to sort one thing from the other. It reminds me of the story of the people who went out fishing and they hauled in a big net of fish and they sat on the beach and they separated the fish, the good fish from the bad fish. They put the good fish into baskets, and the bad fish they threw away, or they, they threw away, they didn't throw back. That's my own interpretation. I think, well, don't throw them away, throw them back, give them a chance to live. But that's not the way life works, that's my own sentimentality in there. Which I confess, I do notice that I have that streak in me. These ideas are very ancient, and have appeared throughout history in many different forms. It seems to me so foolish to limit our understanding by putting too much emphasis on external forms and not enough emphasis on their internal meaning. This is what separates the religions. This is what separates people. This is what makes people skull crackers. Skull crackers are not crackers that come in a box. Skull crackers are people who want to crack other people's skulls because they don't agree with them or because they don't do what they're supposed to do. They don't... <sighs> (sighs) meet their requirements, or because they are bad people, according to their judgment. This person's a bad person. He doesn't deserve to live. Therefore, it's okay to crack his skull. That whole idea. Now, that comes in so many different flavors. That's like, if you go to Baskin and Robbins, that's 31 different flavors of ice cream. It's all ice cream. They may have 31 different flavors, but it's all ice cream. There may be different flavors of skull cracking. You may drop an atomic bomb on a whole city and destroy everything in the city or everything you can destroy in the city. Or you may just pick one neighbor and slander that person. It's the same thing. It's the same ice cream store. It's the same thing. It doesn't matter what the flavor is, what the label on the big tubs where they keep the ice cream. It doesn't matter what the label says. It's what's behind it that really matters. And this is where we foolishly limit our understanding by putting too much emphasis on external forms rather than on eternal meaning. It's an integral part of our condition because we're sense-based. Because we're sense-based, because everything for us depends on the five senses, we are sense-based. And because everything depends on the five senses, we naturally refer to the five senses for everything. The five senses don't show us internal things very easily. The five senses show us the external world. They don't show us the internal world to see your own internal world. You need other senses, the sense of self observation. For example, the sense of self remembering is another example. And these are definite senses that you will need to develop in the same way that you would need to develop your sense of hearing or your sense of smell or your sense of taste. Not everyone appreciates the same tastes. Not everyone appreciates the same smells. It's funny, I opened a crock, we're making sauerkraut, and I opened a crock to check and see how the water level was in it and kind of goes, oh, that stinks. And I said, you know, I wish you wouldn't talk like that. Because I don't think it stinks at all. I think it smells good. All that you're saying is that you're on automatic pilot, and that's conditioning. You're reacting mechanically to something. And you're not thinking. You're not making any conscious effort whatsoever. So what I'm saying is, in order to taste certain things, you need to make a conscious effort to distinguish, to separate, to define. In order to smell certain things, you need to make a conscious effort. I saw something the other day. It was a film, and in the film, someone took this letter that they would gotten from someone and they took it to these perfume people, these people who are experts in making perfumes. And these people have gloves on and they have the letter. And it's really kind of comical, but but I watched this and they take these like forceps and they pick up the letter and then they wave it under their nose and smell it. And then they say what they can smell. There were four of them and it was astounding. It was astounding because they had so trained their sense of smell. That they could pick up the scent of lemon or the scent of ambergris, which is something that comes from a whale. And they use it in perfumes. Not in this country because it's outlawed. We're not allowed to do that, but you can get it from like France and Japan and Russia, different places that don't have those environmental protection laws like that. Like we're really doing a lot of good. So we won't kill the whales. And so the Japanese come and harvest. There's just no way to do what we're trying to do. And this is what the sense-based mind does. It's always trying to fix things from the outside. But the problem is on the inside, it's us. It's our ideas. It's the way we think about things. It's the way we walk the earth too proudly. Those are the problems. And solving the problem by putting a band-aid on it doesn't solve the problem. It simply covers it up. And it makes people angry. When you put the band-aid on it and somebody else rips the band-aid off, you're angry. So we put the band-aid on the Japanese come and rip it off and we're angry at the Japanese. It doesn't work. That's because we put too much emphasis on external forms rather than on internal meaning. When an evil spirit leaves a person, it goes into the desert, seeking rest but finding none. Then it says, I will return to the person I came from. So it returns and finds its former home empty, swept and in order. Then the spirit finds seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they all enter the person and live there. And so that person is worse off than before. You can find that in Matthew chapter 12, verses 43 through 45, if you'd like to read it in your own particular flavor at the Baskin-Robbins store there, whichever one you like. Maybe it's the revised version or the authorized version or the new version or the old version or the whatever, you know, whatever you like or the amplified But I suggest you read it because we're going to come back to it. But I'm just throwing that out there now because I want you to think about that. I just want that to be there simmering on the back burner of your mind while we go on here. Just as this remains a mystery to most people, what I just read, most people find this mysterious. Like, what? Evil spirits? Come on, grow up, will you? This is 2013. So does the idea of replacing internal considering with external considering. The idea in the work is you've got to replace internal considering with external considering. Now, the first problem is identifying that there's a problem. Right now, you don't think there's any problem. I say to you, you've got to replace internal considering with external considering. And you think, yeah, absolutely, I've got to do that. That's the first problem because most of us think external considering is internal considering. See, when you're externally considering, what you're really doing... If you really understand this, what you're really doing is you're internally considering. That's the way that is. You're going to have to prove that to yourself because there's no amount of talking that I can do to prove that to you. You have proved that to me. You have proved to me that I can talk to you for 25 years. And it'll be like dropping a pea on a diamond. It just won't do any good. It won't touch that diamond at all. You know, there'll just be a little plink and off the peel roll. And that's pretty much how it goes. Until you decide that you're willing to take a look at what I've said, to apply it somehow to your own internal world, and take a look at it honestly, seriously, and think, well, maybe, just maybe what he said may apply to some tiny, itty-bitty, little itsy-bitsy part of me that's way back there in the past, but is not something that's prevalent now. (laughs) Then you have an opportunity. Until then, this is just hail bouncing off the sidewalk or rain bouncing off a tin roof. Makes a lot of noise and it may sound great. Remember when we were in Guatemala and it would rain, they had tin roofs. It would rain. Oh, did I love that. I love rain on a tin roof. I just want to lie down and listen to that. So I would lie on my bed in my bedroom and I would just listen to the rain hitting the tin roof. I loved it. It's a great sound, very relaxing, because it's random, it's natural, it's it's water, and it's just, I don't know what. It's just... Goodness. Goodness. That's a great word. It's just goodness. Right. You know, it's a shame that they have so many commercials that, oh, this is goodness and that's goodness. It's like, you don't know what goodness is anymore. What's goodness? Goodness is artificial strawberry flavors and artificial sugar and artificial this and artificial that. No, that truly is goodness. It's a natural goodness, a soul goodness. Somehow it cleanses the soul if you let it. When you're internally considering, you're identified. In case you hadn't put those two things together, and I know you have. But when you're internally considering, you are identified. There's no question about it. This is one of these esoteric principles you've got to simply accept and start to look for. These are the lines in the road. You know how you stay out of accidents on the highways? you stay in the lines on the road. There's a left line, there's a right line. We call what is between those lines a lane. If you stay in the lane that you're supposed to be in and you don't change lanes without looking, without indicating, then there's a chance you might make it to your destination. If everybody else around you is doing the same thing. It doesn't always work out that way, but sometimes it does and that's a good thing. I don't think there's a day goes by on any highway in the world or any set of highways in the world where there's not an accident. It's because someone didn't do what they were supposed to do, what they said they would do when they signed their driver's license. They said they would obey all the laws of the road. It's a lie because they don't even know all the laws of the road, but that's how we are today. We're willing to sign our name to lies because it's the expedient thing to do and because that's what they require of us. They don't want you to know all the laws. They just want you to sign your name so that when you break one of the laws that you don't know about, they can charge you money and exercise their power over you, which of course keeps you from being an anarchist. It's about domination and control and you not getting out of line, not getting from between the lines, staying in your lane, whichever lane that is, whichever lane has been allotted to you. I don't want to go too far off on that because it gets people wound up. This is not about getting people wound up. I'm not interested in getting people wound up so that they protest. I'm interested in getting people aware so that they can see that all internal considering is identifying. That when you start to identify, you start to internally consider. And when you start to internally consider, it is a sign that you are identified. When you're internally considering, you're identified. When you're externally considering, you're not identified. Well, this doesn't really tell us much, but at least it starts to set the groundwork for us. It starts to lay the groundwork so that if you can remember these things, these are like tent pegs If you can pound these things into the ground in the right places, you'll be able to raise a tent here. A tent may not be a lot, at least it's shelter from the rain and the sun and the wind, and it's a little bit of covering. It may not be a permanent structure, but it's something that can tide you over until you can get a permanent structure. This work works in stages. Esoteric teachings work in stages. Nothing just, bam, it's there. You go outside and you look and there's a rose. Well, that rose didn't just appear. First it was a bud and then that bud opened up and it opened little by little. That's the way this work is. It's like a seed. Once it's planted in you, if it's nourished, you know, seeds can be dormant for thousands of years. You could receive a seed of this work 20 years later, it might germinate or 20 lifetimes later. I don't know. When you internally consider, you want your own way. Now, I'll give you a little bit of time to think about these things because you need to see you in this. It's not enough to see, oh yes, these are ideas and this is the way it is. It's not enough to see the lines on the highway. You need to be in the car, in the lane. You need to be seeing that there are other cars around you. You need to be seeing your forward motion. You need to be able to look in the rearview mirror and the side mirrors and see what's around you. And that's what this is for. When you internally consider you want your own way. So now that you know that, you need to look for that. You're going to change lanes here. So you need to look in your mirror. You need to indicate that you're about to change lanes just in case there's somebody near you. You're kind to people who appreciate you, especially if you can benefit in some small way from them. It's funny. Last night we had dinner at Lori's and everybody was saying, thanks, Lori. That was great. Oh, thanks, Lori. That was really good. And I said, yeah, thanks, Lori. It's about time you hit one out of the park. And Connie said, what did he just say to you? And Lori repeated it. It's about time you hit one out of the park. And I thought about that this morning and I thought, you know, I must be a really difficult person. It must be really difficult to be around me because all the pleasantries and all the lies, I don't want to play there. And all that is part of your kind to of people who appreciate you, especially if you can benefit from them. I'm going to tell Lori the truth. And the truth is she doesn't hit everyone out of the park. There's sometimes when the meals are like, whoa, you don't have to serve that again. And we all know it. Probably I'm the only one who says it. Why is that? Well, because it's not nice. It's not nice to say things to people who appreciate you enough to feed you and who you want some benefit from because they might not like it. And if they don't like it, they may stop benefiting you. So you get the internal consideration here. It has nothing to do with the other person. It has nothing to do with, gee, Laurie, that was really good. That's externally considering. So you see why I say when we're internally considering, we're calling it external consideration? Good, that's what I want you to see. When you must deal with people who don't particularly agree with you and you want to teach them this work or these ideas, you've got to practice external considering. I'll explain this the person might say i don't really like you i think you're a weasel or stuff like that yet you think the person can do the work that there is something in them that can respond to these ideas that can respond to this teaching you've got to shift from internal considering to external considering you have to there's no other way to teach this unless you can shift from internal considering to external considering all external considering is conscious All internal considering is mechanical. It's like opening the crock and saying, oh, that stinks. That's mechanical. There was no conscious effort involved in that. That's mechanical. This is the same thing. All external considering must be conscious because it can't be done unless it's done with directed attention consciously. All internal considering just happens. It's automatic. It's mechanical. It's reactionary. When someone favors you, You're delighted and you think that you're externally considering. Somebody favors you. Somebody gives you something. You thank them. You're delighted and you think you're externally considering. Someone feeds you dinner and you say, Oh, that was great. Thank you. You think you're externally considering, but the truth is you're internally considering. Find the truth of this yourself. Don't take my word for it. No, you're not externally considering. You're simply satisfied in your self love. In this case, my work as a teacher would be very weak if what I did was simply be satisfied in my self-love. Okay, well, he likes me, she likes me, and so they're really learning the work. He doesn't like me, she doesn't like me, they hate me, they think I'm a charlatan, a fraud, a horrible person, and that I should be, you know, whatever, drummed out of the service, given a dishonorable discharge. If I don't want to teach them, then it's simply because of my self-love. That would mean that as a teacher, I would be very weak. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. It's in Matthew chapter 5, verse 46. It's amazing how much of this esoteric Christianity is missed until we start piecing it together in a real quilt, in a real form. It's like a quilt, really. You think about it, what is a quilt? Well, I don't know what it is today, but what it used to be was people had scraps. They just had scraps, all kinds of scraps of material from things that they'd made, dresses that they'd made and things that they'd done. So they had all these scraps and nothing to do with them, never enough to make anything. So they'd get together and they'd sew all of the scraps together and they'd make a quilt make two sides to it and they would fill it with something that was warming like cotton batting and they would then have a quilt that's because people didn't waste things. Now we throw that stuff away and we go out and buy new pieces of material and we cut them up in odd pieces and shapes and we put them together in a quilt. And we have artistic quilts where we cut them and do them this way and that way. And that's fine. You know, that's all fine. But that's just an idea of how things have changed and why this teaching must change. People's minds have changed. The way people do things have changed. People's consciousness has changed. The form of the teaching has to change or else it cannot be received. It's like teaching this in Japanese to people who only speak English. It won't work. They won't get much of it. They may get something emotionally, but that's going to be so rare that it's not worth mentioning. Most people who are learning about this work are not in a position where they can get things emotionally. They still have to have everything fed to them intellectually, bit by bit, piece by piece, like a quilt. All of us want to be liked, appreciated, loved, etc. To externally consider another is not to think of them from what you want, from your self-love, from your self-interest, because that's really what you want is. What you want is the outline of your self-love and your self-interest. So if you are drawing a picture, the outline, what you want, is the outline of your self-love, and your self-interest. So if what you want is big, then that's a big outline for your self-love and self-interest. If what you want is not so big, then that's a little outline for your self-love and self-interest. So some people have big self-love and big self-interest, and some people have smaller self-love and smaller self-interest. We're not equal. To externally consider means to put yourself in the position of the other person. I know you've heard this before. Internal considering is to put him in your position. I don't think you've heard that before. Internally considering is to put that other person in your position. That may not seem nefarious at first, but the more you examine it, the more you will see just how wicked a thing that is. All this means is that you're afraid to fight for esoteric ideas in yourself. If you're afraid, you can't get the work rightly arranged in yourself. Do you remember when I said that? If you're afraid to fight for these ideas in yourself, you'll never get this work rightly arranged in yourself. Ever. It'll never happen. You've got to put aside the fear. You've got to be willing to be wrong. You've got to be willing to be wrong. You've got to be willing to be abused. You've got to count on it. If you don't, you will never tell the truth because you'll be afraid to. And you'll never get these ideas rightly arranged inside of yourself. If I think I'd like that person for my own sake, I'd like that person to get this work for my own sake, well that person could really do a lot for this work and that would make me really look good. Then people would know what a great teacher I was and well this group would be so important and blah 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 blah. I'm internally considering, that's obvious but I'm using an external thing to internally consider. I'm making it look like I care about the work, when the bottom line is it's all about me. If I think I'd like that person for the work's sake, then hopefully I'm externally considering. Probably. If I really would like that person for the work's sake. Well, what does that mean? You've been around a long time. You know that I tolerate some pretty obstreperous people and some pretty nasty behaviors because the person is valuable in the work. Let me give you an example. Gurdjieff had a guy in the work, and he was a real jackass. Everybody hated him. He was nothing but trouble. People naturally gave him a rough time. So the guy left. Gurdjieff went after him, found him, and begged him to come back, offered to pay him to come back. Why? Because the man was good for the work. For whose work? For everybody's work everybody in the group. I've had people tell me, you need to get rid of that person. That person that I was supposed to get rid of is still here. The person who said I needed to get rid of that person is gone. Why? Because the person who said I needed to get rid of that person didn't want to work. And the person who he wanted me to get rid of did want to work and he's still here. That's what I'm talking about. So if I think I'd like that person for my own sake, that's internal considering. If I'd like that person for the work's sake, I'm externally considering. People with whom I share these ideas shouldn't necessarily increase my self-esteem because they love me. I'm fortunate in that. There's always one or two who really don't who don't love me, who don't really increase my self-esteem, who don't like me, who have a very difficult time being around me at all. That's a good thing. It may not feel good, but it's a good thing, especially if you can continue to work under those circumstances. We all know intellectually that will change soon enough. Someone loves you, that's going to change. You know that that's going to change. We've been around long enough to know. When the work touches their self-love, they're going to blame me for that touch. It's the natural thing to do. It's the automatic thing to do. It's the mechanical thing to do. When things don't go right, you need somebody to blame. To practice these principles with the man who might be able to work and who considers me a charlatan or a fraud, I must externally consider him apart from vanity and self-emotions. I've got to serve him the same way I would serve someone who loves me and is devoted to me. Only then can I study him put myself in his place, see what his difficulties are. This is a definite conscious act. It's rare for most of us, but it's possible. And I know it's possible because I do it. Because there are people who do not like me. And I give them the same thing that I give everyone else or the people who do like me. It can be done. And like I said, it's rare. Because we think that when we're internally considering, we're externally considering. It's rare because of the effort it takes to extricate ourselves from identifying with our own sad song, our own woeful story, our own tragic selves. See, the people who think that I'm a charlatan or a fraud or a weasel or a thief or whatever, whatever, a fake, for the people who think that, they are people who are identified with their life story. They're identified with their sad song. They're identified with their horrible, tragic story. Oh. Ain't it awful what happened to me? And it's that person's fault. Because it's never your fault. It's always someone else did it to you. That's internal considering based on identification. That is a problem for people. Their own tragic selves, their own sad song, their own woeful story. With internal considering, there's no thought of what the other person's difficulties are. It's all about me. It's all about, do you see what happened to me? Look what happened to me. Do you see what she did to me? Do you see what he did to me? How they did this? How they betrayed me? How they did that? Isn't that awful? And people, of course, agree. Yes, that's terrible. Anyone who does something like that is clearly a horrible person and needs to be crucified, at least. I mean, after you boil them in oil for a few days. You know, not enough to kill them, but enough to really make them learn the error of their ways, so that they stop doing horrible things like that to other people. You see the insidiousness of this? We only think on the difficulties that they've caused us. We never think about what it's like for them. I remember one time I thought, wow. (laughs) I'd spent my whole life thinking about how mean my dad was. And one day I thought, wow, what must it have been like for my dad to have a son like me? I was incredibly rebellious. I just wanted to do what I wanted to do. I didn't want to do what he wanted me to do. I didn't want to do what he told me to do. I wanted to do what I wanted to do. If you got anything at all going on about self-observation, surely you can put yourself in this position. You look back on what your parents had to put up with, and I hope you can really externally consider your parents because of that, because you were difficult. How I know that is, I've played parent to you, and you have been difficult. You have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you'll be acting as true children of the light or, as the story goes, as true children of your Father in heaven. But I say as true children of the work or true children of esoteric ideas or true children of the light or true children of higher centers. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends his rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you're kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. That's the whole full version of the Matthew 5.46 thing that I read to you before. This is Matthew 5.43 through 46. Again, I recommend every time read these. This is esoteric literature. Read it and try to understand it esoterically, not literally Development, transformation is about becoming perfect. I see so many people balk at this. But you are to be perfect. What? Well, isn't there a shortcut? Yes, there is a shortcut to perfection. You've all already taken it. It's called imagination. You imagine that you're perfect already. That's the shortcut. You imagine that the problems with the world are everybody else's problems, not your own. That's the shortcut to perfection. You imagine that you're the victim, that they did it to you. That's the shortcut to perfection. You get to feel perfect. You get to pretend you're perfect. You get to think you're perfect and not have anything about you be touched. In other words, still stay in all your imperfect glory. While you're wallowing in your self-love and your self-emotions and your self-adoration and imagining yourself to be perfect and that everyone else needs to change. That is internal considering. There is a perfection that awaits you, that which you are meant to be. It's called, in the fourth way, real I. It's what's real about you. It's what you were created as, created perfect, and somehow you have gotten away from, forgotten. Your identity has slowly, through some kind of weird sense-based osmosis, leaked into this acquired thing that you now call I. This false personality. This lie. This thing with a body and thoughts and feelings and internal considering and self-love and self-interest. And your feeling of I has moved into that. Something apart. There is something that you are meant to enter into. That you are created to be apart from this animal body and all that connects us to it. Apart from the acquired sense-based mind that we are stewing in all the time. Apart from self-interest, self-love, and the host of other debilitating self-emotions that we are prey to. And when I say prey to, I want you to think of a lioness eating a gazelle. Because you are being eaten by that thing. And what we need to do through these ideas is turn the tables and begin to eat that thing to strengthen what needs to be nourished in us. No, it's not enough to cast the demons of self-interest out of yourself. If the vacancy is not filled, it will go into the desert where there is no water. And what does water represent? It represents the second level of truth. Getting rid of internal considering is only half the battle. We remain empty, swept, and in order. A very, very dangerous state because we succumb to self-righteous pride and vanity at the work that we've done. See what I've done? I've stopped internally considering. Well, good for you. But unless you fill that space with external consideration, if you stop putting that other person in your place, that's half of it. Now you've got to externally consider and put yourself in that person's place. See what their difficulties are. Start to have compassion for what it's like to be them. Instead of expecting them to have compassion for what it's like to be you. And oh, how terrible what they did to you. And so what if they didn't know they were doing anything to you? And so what if they really weren't doing anything to you? And so what if they didn't even know that you existed? You're still hurt. You're still wounded. You're still owed. Very dangerous. The spirit of self-interest finds seven other self-emotions more evil than itself. And they will all enter and live within us. We end up worse off than before. That's one of the reasons this work is so dangerous. If you only do it halfway, you will end up worse than when you started. In case you hadn't noticed, when you fall back now, you fall back hard. Really hard. Because you have further to fall. Instead of thinking how well you're doing, think about how much you've left undone. How much external considering you have left undone. When you start thinking about why your life isn't as peachy keen as it's supposed to be, start thinking about what you have left undone. How much external considering you have left undone? How much putting yourself in that other person's place to find out how difficult it is to be around you. Find out how much of that you've left undone. I can see by the looks on your faces that you're already realizing you've left a good deal undone. What's part of a cosmic?